Hello, welcome to a special edition of the Badass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast. We talk about Batman in all its forms. Uh, my name is Clay McCormick, and with me, recording in parts unknown today, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? Good, man. Face-to-face, right? Yes. Yeah, first yeah. time in a while, actually. Last time we recorded like this, we had this microphone in my basement, my basement bar, and I think we talked about Red Hood. Yes, I think yeah. that probably was the last time we did this in person, yeah. So, how, uh, tell me about Red Hood. Tell me about how it was received before we get into my shit. Yeah, we, we want to talk a bit about, uh, Sean just finished... Beyond the White Knight, which is the third book in the in the series that he's been doing, and so we're going to have a little bit of a uh, post mortem on that. And uh, yeah, Red Hood, I Red Hood was good overall. Um, I got a lot of good feedback from people. Um, talking to people at the shows was really great because yeah. they had uh, nothing but good stuff to say. Do you get more at shows? Do you get mm-hmm. more Red Hood comments, or I like your horror podcast? Star Trek podcast comments. Uh, right now, it's probably more Red Hood. Okay. But uh, it's up to you listeners to change yeah. that. So <laughs> go check out the Rotten Horror Picture Show or the Penske File. Um, but no, it, it, it's interesting because I um, the conventions I did last year were the first ones really where actively the whole time people were bringing me stuff to sign. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the first time I've done something and it was ever read. Yeah, yeah, so, not totally true, but go ahead. Yeah, you know, but it was it was it was actually great. It was a uh, um, I, I talked to a lot of great people. I mean, this was probably um, I'm assuming there are no IRS agents listening, but this was probably the most successful year I've had at conventions. Yeah, um, this was the first year I did New York and a table. I had a table in New York. I sold out of an entire box of bloody hell copies, which yeah. was amazing. Um. Yeah, so it was. It's been it's been interesting because it's sort of like, a, it, I would say it's opened a door that I don't totally feel like I'm all the way through yet. <laughs> but it's been it's been interesting to look inside. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, so um, I've been having I've been doing this stuff for a while now mm-hmm. with certain degrees of success and. Bringing you on board. I mean, you've helped me since 2017, since the first book. Like mm-hmm. I said, thoroughly here. Um, but bringing you to shows, like I was aware that you're going to get um, thrown into the deep end in, in a way when you when you come with me, because I, I'm used to having a line of people. Who, it's like rapid fire meeting somebody, and you know, different readers, different things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sort of used to it. I know how to do it and save my energy. Whereas when you do it, you're very new to it, very raw to it. And I think after the first day, I think we were at San Diego, you were like, how do you do this? Like, how do you have any energy? And I don't yeah. know. I just, I'm just, I'm just used to it. But seeing you do it literally right next to me has been really interesting to see you go through that stuff. Yeah, it was, um, New York was physically exhausting for me. Um, I'm used to talking to people at shows, but, um, I probably, I think I definitely talked to more people in New York than I've ever talked to at a show. And on top of that, where it's a big place, yeah. really loud, and we were talking through masks. Oh, yeah. And so the whole weekend, I just felt my sides yeah. constantly 
pressure because I'm project trying to project through this mask and yeah. talk to people. Yeah. And like I the the second day I think I went back to the hotel and I was just like I couldn't get comfortable because I just felt like someone was yeah holding me around the waist. <laughs> um. So that was I, I I feel like I need to take like vocal lessons or something. Oh, like yeah. a singer, so I know how to project <laughs> without blowing blowing my lungs out. So I actually did take vocal lessons with a training coach. Really? Yeah. Okay. I had friends in Portland who uh, teach singing, and I just because they're friends and they were starting mm -hmm. up, I'm like, I'll take a class. I paid them for a session, I should say. Yeah. And they gave me some pointers on how to speak, how to project, and. Um, uh, some because you were in a band, you sing. Mm -hmm. So some stuff you probably already know is. Well, I make most of it up as I go. <laughs> so, so my problem when I first started podcasting was uh, when you breathe in, you you're from zero to five, so your your breath can go up to ten, right? Mm -hmm. Sound that I was breathing it from zero to five, and I would start talking at five, and I would go down to zero. Mm -hmm. And with that, the problem with that is, is you're not as loud as you want to be, and you find you. Start saying as much as you possibly can before you're out of breath. Sure, yeah. And that's what I used to do uh, when I spoke. So now, here we go. Now, I take a full breath and I try to speak from 10 to 5. Mm. And that's what most singers do. People that, they, that just, they just get used to breathing that way. They also have like good posture. They lean back, keep their head up. So keeping a microphone like right now is not good because it's below us on the table. But normally at home, I'll keep it above high. So I, it's just little tricks like that. Like Lemmy know? from Motorhead. Yeah. It's that weird coming down from... You ever seen Somebody that? does? Yeah, it's like he, he sings with his head tipped all the way back and the microphone like yeah. down like this. It's huh. very strange. I've never seen anybody sing like that. That might be what it is then, yeah. With that voice, probably. I mean, that growly well, voice. Because most guys, because we're insecure, we're trying to sound cooler than we are, we tend to use very little air and try to speak below our register. Which leads to voice cracking, which mm. I do a lot, especially because I'm just now going through puberty. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. There's the whole science behind this stuff. Sorry, that went on longer than I wanted it to. <laughs> no, no, it's it's fine. Uh, yeah, so it's it was it was interesting. New York was was uh, and San Diego was was an interesting experience. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. I don't know how many shows I'm going to do this year, but it was one of those things where I I kind of too late in the proceedings started to do the math in my head where i was like oh shit i'm gonna have like six books coming out there five books coming out this year i should probably make yeah. more appearances but yeah. you know, that'll be actually it'll be nice though because red hood was only two issues and like i kind of had to time things a little bit as far as convention shows i was if i wanted it to be sort of within the realm of release or whatever yeah but um this year i'll have multiple books coming out through the year um which i don't think we can talk about yet but um i think the joker book is going to be talked about in a month so yeah we'll probably talk about it now okay do you want to do you want to tell tell everyone what to expect um so the spinoff from beyond the white knight will be a book called generation joker it's about um joker's kids basically get kidnapped by a joker he hijacks a batmobile and the pitch for me was, what if Joker was actually Knight Rider inside of a Batmobile? And he takes his kids and he takes them on a road trip to show them places in his past that had meaning for him in order to dissuade them from turning into him. And along the way, he runs into a lot of his old enemies and things don't go as planned. Yes. 
And to be specific, it's the the hologram Joker. Yes, uh, that is downloaded into uh, uh, a portable portable drive that the kids have, and he can control the Batmobile. And um, yeah, it's it's all it's all fun from there. Yeah. So that was the one of the three spinoffs that I wanted to do, and I, uh, you and my wife Colleen Katana as her stage name is, uh, are co-writing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mirka and Dolfo and Art, who's mm-hmm. a really great Italian artist that that uh, we met. She has kind of a, a manga, more manga influenced style, but I think it works really well as sort of like a punk YA type of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys are in issue three right now. Yep, we just finished writing issue three, so I think we're, we're we're just getting around to starting issue four. Right. We don't know when that's coming out, but uh, it should be soon enough for us to release this, so it won't be a spoiler. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Um, we kind of have a bit of free reign to mess around in Gotham a little bit, so a lot of uh, a lot of fun fun characters and events and action shows up and locations right. and uh i managed to work wrestling into it which right. is your thing it is uh, we got the we got the 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 layouts back for the issue with the wrestling in it and i kind of got the feeling that murka didn't want to draw wrestling <laughs> it's funny i got the feeling murka doesn't like drawing cars <laughs> but uh the the, page, the pages look great and i think it's going to be a lot of fun yeah um but yeah so those are the six issues in that series Yes. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I should know. Yeah, I should know. It's funny because, like, I'm happy to um, come up with spinoffs, but I told DC I I can't micromanage these things. I I need help. Mm -hmm. So I sort of picked you and Colleen, who both written uh, White Knight stuff before, to work together um, to help take a load off. So I'm included in your emails and I'm included in layouts and sketches, but especially towards the end of my own book, I really didn't, wasn't able to pay that much attention. I was sort of like leaning on you guys a lot. Right. Um, was it hard to share um, responsibility with Colleen? Uh, no. Um, I, I have, n- I had never really co-written something right. with someone the way that I, you know, you and I co-wrote Red Hood, yeah. but we're, we weren't trading pages back and forth. And Colleen and I are, literally splitting the issue between us right um which has been easier to do than i thought it was going to be that's good um because i think we work pretty well together yeah and uh let's see what she said go ahead (laughs) uh and it's been nice because we 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 each kind of have our things i think that we're kind of interested in doing yeah and so it splits relatively easily easily issue to issue yeah it's interesting because when I look at it, I, I know my wife's interested in writing YA. And she's really into like Joker's kids being kids. What do children who are 12 sound like? Mm-hmm. What do they think about? It's kind of more her, um, what she's focused on. And then in Harley as well, because she helped me design Harley. I mean, you both did. But I know because you're an artist, you can break down um, layouts better and see things visually, whereas Colleen can't and she'll mm-hmm. she'll she'll tell you that so it's interesting because i i'll say like you know if there's a big uh fight scene give that to clay because clay can see that in his head and that's just what because you're used to the format i'll be honest she's written quite a few of the fight scenes all right they've yeah been, they've come out good <laughs> that's good so i'm happy to be corrected yeah no it's fun it's actually kind of funny because the way some of the stuff is shaken out is she's written 
a bunch of the fight scenes. Yeah. I have ended up writing more of the I've actually written a couple of the Harley and Ryan's sorry. Great neo scenes. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll be why so we're gonna change your name to Riot. Why don't you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Neo Neo Joker is um It's a terrible name. No one likes it. It started as a placeholder <laughs> and was never adjusted. And so uh we had we have been talking about changing her name to Riot for a long time and we're finally gonna do it in this book, so which is which is which is fun. So when when Neo was first introduced in volume one, she first puts on the gear. Uh, a knife and all that. She wears like the pink and white and black makeup. And she walks out and she goes, I'm not uh, an afterthought or something. She goes, She's, uh, it's the Joker's not something. He's a riot. He's a riot. Yeah. So uh, in that line, a few people who reviewed the book says, I thought her name was Riot from now on. Mm. So well, we kept it Neo Joker. And can I say that because it takes place in Neo Gotham eventually, mm. the Neo Joker isn't as lame, but it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. It's, it's not a, great. I don't love it. It doesn't exactly roll off the top, no, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, but uh, hopefully we didn't. We tried to not do it arbitrarily, and, and yeah. it makes sense. So, so we get kind of a Harley Ivy story with this too, which is nice. Yes. Yep. There's some Ivy stuff in there. Um, this, this book probably more than Red Hood, uh, was me pushing the boundaries and being told I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, cause there was stuff I wanted to do with Ivy that I was told no, there yeah. was stuff I was wanted to do X, Y, and Z that we pulled back on, which is fine. Yeah. Cause you know. Yeah. Colleen had to get told no, no a lot as well. Yeah. It's so. No, that means, I think that's, means you're going in the right direction if you're, if you're pushing fast. <laughs> so, it's funny because like. <clears throat> I think it would have been a good series if you wrote it alone. And I think it would have been good if she wrote it alone. But since we're going, it would have been terrible. Yeah, yeah, you guys are ruining each other. Right, yeah. No, I think by working together, coming, it's it was a risk because, you know, working with another artist and accepting criticism and accepting boundaries on which pages you're writing, what you're not writing, when to fight a battle, when to let it go. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think it, that's what comics are. It's a collaboration. Um, but I'm also, in my mind, I wonder what it would have been if you had written it by yourself and my wife had written it by itself. And mm-hmm. I doubt it would have been very different, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think, but I, again, I think we do, I think we did match pretty well. Yeah. And we, we've, I, I think we've kind of been able to bounce things off and kind of yeah. meld pretty easily. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you've just finished <laughs> Batman Beyond the White Knight. Uh, it's your third. Series of third series of eight issues telling a very large, far-reaching story. Do you think uh, trilogies are a solid unit to end on? As a movie guy, mm. why a trilogy? Why not a, a what? What do you call it when you have four movies? Quadrology or quadrology? A mistake? <laughs> sure. No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you have a story to tell. No reason not to keep telling stories. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um but uh if you're if you're doing it if you're gonna crystal skull it, maybe no. Maybe it's good to stop with the last crusade. That's a good phrase. Yeah. Um maybe Indy five will fix the crystal skull. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm a bit hard now. Yeah. But uh but yeah, you're you've you've been doing Batman pretty consistently for what, five years, six years? Yep, started in 2018. Uh, it's been about five years 
So, yeah, I feel very burned out. Mm-hmm. The last year, I mean, you and uh, we, three of us went to San Diego. And uh, I know you pulled my wife aside and said, I think Sean needs a vacation. It seemed very stressed. I don't know if I was acting stressed or said I was stressed or my face. And, you know, I trust you both. So mm-hmm. um, it means you're both looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, I uh, I really wanted to take as much time to do the art as I could to make this volume the best visually. Mm-hmm. And I started out the first five issues um, more relaxed, like four pages a week instead of five. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a new editor at some point that my my other editor left, so that was a you know an adjustment. I also had like everything that hit me. I had COVID. I had my computer died. I had to buy two new computers to fix it. I had to do extra conventions or whatever. Like so, I ended up being late. Mm. But especially as I got to issues six, seven, and eight, I felt really stressed. Like started to work through weekends. Just I knew that I wasn't at my best, and I felt myself like losing my temper more or with my wife, I would start to notice I was about to lose my temper and I would be like, Oh, bought it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't like, so I wasn't like yelling and screaming and being an asshole, but I knew I had been through enough therapy to know that I was fragile. Mm-hmm. And I tried my best to be patient and take a breath and whatever. And yeah, it's kind of silly because this is just comic books and it's kind of fun and silly and shouldn't stress anybody out, but well, it's a job. Yeah, put your life into it and all that. How do you feel at the end of it? Do you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to do with the story? Um, yeah, I have some. I think ninety percent happy. There's ten percent stuff I wish I had not done. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a few panels I could redraw, or making Jason the first Robin, I'm still not convinced that was a great idea. Yeah. Even though we it was, saw it through, it's a great idea for me. <laughs> it's true. I was thinking about, uh, someone asked me today, how would I cast Batman Beyond, the White Knight? Mm-hmm. And I thought about, what if Chris O'Donnell was Red Hood? That would be pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that people are into these days. Yeah. So, even though those movies are have their reputations. Right. If he showed up as Robin, people would enjoy yeah. it. If I was Chris O'Donnell's agent, I would like take six months, get your rip six-pack, do a Chris Pratt selfie, and then just announce that you're going to be Robin. Like boom, just yeah, just do it. Just yeah. Announce it. I mean, I think that would get a lot of traction. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was a pretty good convincing Robin, honestly. Yeah, he was. He wasn't bad. He's <laughs> uh, well, that's a whole lot of confusion. Um, but yeah, you you are uh, this story in particular. I know when when you were starting it out. Um, I think probably the biggest note that i had was it was very busy there you had a lot of threads going that you were bringing over from the previous two um volumes do you feel like the final version was um are you satisfied with the way you tied everything up do you think there was too much stuff do you think there was not enough i'm pretty much happy with it but (laughs) with issue eight i think issue eight could have been like 48 pages sure honestly yeah um but checking the boxes of things that had to get done you have an assault on powers um building you had a whole you know gto is attacking you the gcpd is fighting back you've got batman red hood i mean it's like three is a try a um three prong assault i think 
there's a lot and you want to get in the big action moments and the, the set piece the wow moments and all that and then you want to wrap up with some kind of heart some kind of meaning to it all and uh, i use a voiceover for one page which i never thought i would do <laughs> uh, which you convinced me would be a good idea yeah, that sucks you can blame me for that no yeah. at one point bruce uh is concussed and um uh, he's the, this is the moment where he needs to become Batman, where Harley brought the cowl. And uh, in order to get out of his panic attack, she puts the cowl on him or gives it to him. And he realizes that Batman is his true identity and it's his salvation. And it helps him defeat his his panic attack, which is kind of the moment we've been building towards for the whole series. But we could have used three more pages to really dive into that. Yeah, it was, it was very abrupt. It was very abrupt. Time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot. I mean, I wish I had space. So I originally had it drafted in the last issue. Um, bad powers is defeated. The threat is eliminated. And they find that there's a bunch of Batman Beyond suits mm -hmm. of different colors. So Jason Todd wears one. Dan wins one. Barbara, get, you know, and they all have different versions of a Batman Beyond suit. So Barbara's is like, you know, orange because she's a redhead. Uh, and you know, Jason's is whatever it has a red, whatever. Like I don't even know, but mm -hmm. it would basically be like Batman Beyond Power Rangers, right? Where and sure. the sequel would be called Batman Beyond. And I would come up with a way to explain that there are women in Batman suit. There'll be a, a tuck cheek way to, to deal with that. Hey, the X Men don't have to explain exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> That's what, what she would have said. <clears throat> I had that. I had a few other ideas to like lend themselves to uh, spinoffs and stuff, but. Uh, I feel like I always leave like 15% on the shelf where I, I didn't get around to getting to it. But I just, yeah. I don't know why I get ambitious or I have so many ideas. And hmm. I keep designing a series to be not jumbled and to try to keep it simple and clean. And hmm. inevitably, I just complicate it along the way. So, you know, I'm still kind of a new writer. So this is something I'm trying to get better at. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me too, because when when you sent me the first breakdown for the whole series um and i think i've i mentioned this before in a previous thing we were talking about way back uh what i kind of suggested is maybe we take terry out of this yeah because there was so much like you had so much really like meaty stuff yeah going on with the bat family from the other books mm -hmm. that adding terry almost felt like you know i was worried i didn't know if he was going to get yeah the attention that he needed You're right yeah um and he doesn't for most of it yeah but i but i think you found a way to to work him in there to, that makes it yeah you know blend in with all the other stuff you have going on but that you're right i agree with you it, it's everything's fine but it's all truncated here's a truncated version of terry he's a truncated version of red hood here's i mean everything is like this is a good eight percent of what you want mm -hmm. Uh, because there's so many characters getting their 80%, nobody gets 100%. And I wonder if um, other writers who tackle team books run into this too, mm, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the heavy lifting is done with depending on people to know what Terry was supposed to be. Sure. Because they yeah. have a familiarity with the series. Now, that you could say that's lazy writing, and you're not wrong. But the book has always been designed to be like a spinoff mm. of the cartoon in a way. So... I don't know, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing about it is, is like you, you mentioned writing team books, and that was kind of essentially what you were doing. But it was they weren't a team until the end. 
Yeah. And so you don't have that sort of shorthand that you yeah. get where it's like, okay, this is the Justice League. They're a team. Right. You can kind of delegate your roles yeah. for the story appropriately because they're a single unit. Right. They don't become a single unit until issue yeah of eight you're right yeah so you have to you have to spend a lot of calories on on getting them to that point right which is you know it's a lot of lot of place to spend yeah wow it's weird man i you know and i i really don't know myself as a writer like uh, real writers too real writers in comics put out four books a month and they they, yeah they have a tell a lot of people will read a Tom King book and I go, oh, Tom always does X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I don't, when you're writing and drawing, you just inevitably go slower because you only do one book a year. Mm -hmm. So you only get I'm three books in five years. So what's my tell? You don't know because I'm not even, I'm not producing the volume that Tom King is. Right. Um, I guess maybe my tell as a writer is writing stuff that's very meta. Mm -hmm. Um. My Batman book is about Batman legacy through the eyes of Batman. Um, it's about his mistakes and his successes. And, you know, you talk about it, it seems to encompass decades, which is impossible because no one lives that long and it's in shape of Batman. Right. But it's sort of just sort of give it a pass because it's a comic, you mm -hmm. know. Um, even plot holes is very meta because you have a book about a team who's. They're all fictional characters, and they realize it. And, right. Um, you know, the Zorro book I'm doing is about a guy who loves the legacy of Zorro. Like sure. everything I'm writing is very. It's like a commentary on itself, and mm -hmm. in a in a way, I don't mm -hmm. even. I'm not even after that. That just seems to be the thing that I just trip up on every time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like Volume One of Batman was. Here's my critique of Batman. I love it, but here's some here's some some plot holes that I noticed. And here's how to have fun with them. And then volume two was, uh, okay, I understand my Batman. People want a sequel, so let's go even deeper into the, the Waynes. What mm -hmm. if Bruce wasn't even a Wayne? What if, let's take everything away from him, you know? And I think first, I like it a lot, but a lot of people uh, were more of a fan of the first volume. And I think that the second volume, because it, it delved into deep history and historicity of it i don't think that's everybody's jam sure you know not everyone loves the history channel or yeah. pirates or whatever and volume three for me was probably the best paced uh cleanest most fun because you have joker who's sidekick and yeah. you've never seen joker like that um but the trick with three was there really wasn't a bad guy because at the end you realize that powers he is the antagonist, but he was driven for a specific reason, and he's not wrong. So mm. you have a volume three was about misunderstandings for the most part, which mm. can be tricky. And I'm not sure if it worked or not. I know I enjoyed it, but man, man I got to like read all the issues together to see if it even worked, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would be able to do that if it was not. Yeah. I just, I, I end up, I'm not saying don't do it. No, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I, I'm one of those people where it's like when it's done, I yeah. I barely even want to look at it. Right. Although I will say, when you do look at it and you come away and you go, Yeah, that's pretty good. It feels good. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it's um did you have is one of the volumes did you have the was your which one is your favorite to work on? I think three has the best art. 
I think I, I slowed down for the first five issues, so I was really able to bring my e-game to mm-hmm. as many pages as possible. Um, two was the riskiest of reinventing the Waynes and saying he's not a Wayne. I have a story where Batman goes to jail, and right. I'm expecting people to enjoy that. Like That's a bad idea for a book. I mean, it's a risky idea sure, for, for sure. sales. Yeah. Um, and one was like, uh, yeah, yeah, Batman, here's all my ideas. I'm going to cram in Mr. Freeze. And like, great, this is the last time I'm ever doing Batman, clearly. Yeah, you got to throw it at the wall. It might be your only shot. You yeah, no, I don't I don't blame people. I mean, the way that publishers design series, like, I don't blame writers who just try to throw all their great ideas at the first book because you don't know if you're going to get a second chance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um... I think uh, uh, it's it's a really interesting series because they they are all three very different books, um, and I just it is I, I I'll be honest it's a little bit difficult to write Batman for someone else yeah because in my head I'm thinking okay it's your universe so I'm seeing your Gotham City yeah and so I'm really like oh this is Gotham and you can see this and blah blah, blah. and then I get you get it back and it's like oh okay and then I'm like well no nobody's gonna draw it like Sean does he's <laughs> they get stuff to do <laughs> it's 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 funny to try and it's it's interesting to see your Gotham and your characters put through the lens of another artist right um, yeah. Because some things transfer beautifully, yeah, to the strength of the artist, and yeah. others not so much. But it's yeah. not a bad thing. It's just yeah. you know different different uh, sensibilities. Yeah, no, you know it's funny hiring artists for this book. I've learned a lot about how to work with artists and why some writers get frustrated by some artists not reading the script. <laughs> I'm not naming names, <laughs> um, but it's funny. So my wife wrote a scene that. Uh, she wanted to talk about why Joker calls Harley Quinn pain or vice versa. So she had a flashback with Joker and Harley at a fair carnival. And uh, somebody orders Puddin. And we send it to Mateo. And I don't know what the Italian word for Puddin is. Um, but he draws like an ice cream with a uh, cherry on top, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Colleen comes to me. She's like, oh, man, I wanted Puddin and Mateo drew ice cream or uh, like frozen yogurt or something and i'm looking at the panel I'm like it's it looks great because mateo doesn't draw anything poorly right technically it's not Putin, but i was trying to explain to her too like listen mateo is uh one of the best talents in in the history of comics he's done so much heavy lifting for other things in your scenes whatever like i know an artist and it's the reason why he's a good friend of mine okay so he did draw Putin correctly as long as she's fired, if you're getting a B plus out of your artist, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah. She was getting an A or an A plus out of him. Minus one panel of Quentin. And I was trying to explain to her it's not a big deal, but she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And, uh, well, she did say she'd never work with him again. Though. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And she hates him and his baby. <laughs> Specifically the baby. <laughs> um, but it's funny because other people she's worked with outside of DC, you know, mm-hmm. she's working with a lot of other artists and she's like, Oh my God, I wish I had Mateo where the only mistake he made was not drawing put it correctly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. like, welcome to the business. Yeah. It's an interesting, um, type, type, well, type of isn't there. Like you said, it's a collaborative process Yeah, and there's only so much I think you can expect. Yeah. So, cause you're, you're basically playing a game of, and you know, the more people who are involved, the harder this becomes, but it 
Yeah. You're basically playing a game of telephone between yeah. four different departments. Right. And if it comes out as an A, yeah. it's a miracle. Yeah. Um, and so I think the the more you get used to doing it, the more you're kind of like, okay, pick your battles, you understand what's right, what's important. And if you get like you've said many times, you get 90% of it, it's a win, you know. Yeah, yeah, I told you, as long as you're getting B plus, that's probably you know, you need to let go of ten percent of your battles, honestly. Right. Um <clears throat> Yeah. I mean it's funny, when I write for myself, I'll just write most of my panels are and another angle. And another angle. Yeah. Batman. It's, it's really interesting because like when I when I read your scripts, they're pretty sparse yeah. in that regard. But I don't really question it because right. I know that you know that you know what you want to do. Right. But there are certain questions that editors will ask yeah. where I'm like where I've thought like, oh well, I mean, I don't really know if that's necessary to put in the script, but like, well, if I'm if it's writing for somebody else, then maybe the yeah. detail is necessary. So it's 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 an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, reading your scripts versus yeah. scripts for other people. Like the way I write for I wrote for Klaus for Von Fries, yeah. I couldn't write in another angle. Right, I'd have to explain myself. I also don't want to tell people where to put the camera. No. Right. That's that's the trick it. when you're writing for an artist. Yeah, is to. Be clear, but not hamstring them to. Right. To you know, yeah. you're not giving them line readings as they right. say for a movie. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no. The, the worry I have now is like I don't get any. I don't get. I worry I don't get enough pushback from my editors because I've been doing this for five years, mm -hmm. and to them I am quote Sean Murphy, and they're not going to push back a lot because they just they're younger than me. They haven't been doing this as long as I have. Mm -hmm. They're happy to be on this project. That's going to sell. It's sort of a career maker for some people. Mm -hmm. So who's going to question me? And I'm not that type of creator. Like I would rather be questioned in a fair way. I'd rather have pushback. Like I'm not the guy that gets bent in shape about that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so you I, know that I have no problem doing it. Yeah, I know you even when I don't want you to. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, 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 um, yeah, I just I would rather have honesty and I'd rather be have people challenge me because like my ego is is based in art. If you give me criticism on my art, I'm probably gonna be less friendly about it. Mm -hmm. Um because that's why I've earned my bones, I have opinions and this that when I'm writing, I feel like I'm doing an extra job that I'm happy to be doing for a while. But I don't claim to be a real writer. I don't have my ego based in writing. Mm -hmm. I'll send you stuff. And my drafts are like, I'll even write to you. Like, I feel like this is 80% there. Mm -hmm. I know it's not perfect. And I'm willing to get some pushback because uh, I'm not really emotionally connected to as many things as I am with my art. Mm -hmm. If you could treat my art, I'll say, go fuck yourself. I become a regular comic book writer. But when it comes to my scripts, I'm happy to take feedback. And I'm like, say, hey, man, whatever you think. The character does this or that. Or if you write a great line, I'd be like, hey, do you mind if I take that? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very amenable to a lot of changes when it comes to my scripts. Because I feel like I'm not, I'm kind of joking my way, my way into it. You know, like, ah, I'm kind of, no one's calling me on my shit. I'm kind of a writer and things kind of are selling. So I guess I'll just sort of follow this lead. But I'm not, I don't know, I guess I'm restating it now. Well, I think uh, I, I can say that from working on your books, most of the changes, very rarely are they like complete structural changes. Yeah that would require you to like reform yeah. multiple pages. 
So most of the time when I go through your stuff, it's to a point where you're like, okay, well, there's enough that I can start drawing right. because a lot of this stuff is can be hacked out in dialogue right. and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's it, it's it's the thing, and this is something that's I find unique to comics. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's say if you have if you come come across something in a script that's like let's say it's it's a three page scene, page seven, eight, and nine, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not working, and it needs to be changed, and right. it needs to be shifted or moved. It's not a movie script where you can just note card that, move it, and then shift it to a different part of the, the, the movie. It's not like a novel where you can just kind of like, all right, well, you know, that doesn't affect anything else structurally. Yeah. In comics, that affects the structure of your whole issue. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got three pages in the middle that are dependent on things that happen on either side of each right. other, that have a certain number of panels built into how to execute these things, Yeah. then you have to really kind of crack the whole book open again. Yeah. Because you've got Okay, well, so for instance, I'm working on this thing now where we it's kind of like a bit of a timeline jumping back and forth. Is this Jim Joker? Uh, no, this is um, uh, Wrestling Book. Right? Yeah. And we were debating whether or not we should, instead of jumping back and forth through the issue, kind of like bookend things. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to do that, but the way that I wrote it, jumping back and forth, is kind of like intertwined as far as transitions go and how certain dialogue and images lead into other ones and if i just you know copy paste on either end of the issue yeah everything in the middle that was leading into and out of those scenes is now loose ends that need to be adjusted you right. can't just move them right yeah so it's just it's i find it very unique to comics where yeah. changing writing structurally can be a much bigger job than it feels like yeah it's, it's kind of like a song where um if an issue is a, a song that's in an album the issue should be mostly a a plot which is the refrain of the song mm-hmm. you can put one guitar solo or maybe two in that issue but you have to space them apart they can't touch yeah and you have a few other bits of song that it has to it's only so much movement you could do with each scene mm-hmm. there are times when you can shove two scenes together and then have a guitar solo after this is a very tortured metaphor i apologize <laughs> i know i'm just letting you go you know what i mean like, sure <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Van Halen didn't learn how to read music. I get you. Yeah, literally, what I said. I think about that a lot too because I, I've, I've been writing. Um, I've been telling my wife to write um, inset panels to artists, mm. and I have no idea. So few artists know what an inset panel is, and now I'm wondering, did I invent this? Um, I no, because I I knew what they were. I never questioned those in your script, but I've noticed that too. Right. That, so it's been a weird hurdle to right? jump. So yeah. even with um again, Matteo is an amazing artist. He only fucked up the pudding. And even then he didn't do that bad of a job. But I would write Pauline, my wife would write for him inset panel, which means you have a panel that's the size of a stamp. It's usually something small, quick, no dialogue. It has to be like Batman pulling out a batarang or mm-hmm. a guy lighting a cigarette or a light switch, something real simple. Um if you have an inset panel and a six-panel page, it makes it a seven-panel page. Another will say, ooh, seven panels is kind of a lot. Be careful. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a normal six-panel page, which just happens to be an inset. Right. If you give that to an artist who doesn't know what that is, you're going to have a cigarette lighting inset panel as a splash. Yes. And like, it's like, no, 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 no. There's way too much uh, real estate on the cigarette now. So we would tell people, do the cigarette panel as an inset. 
and no one really knows what that is. Yeah. And I got it from like Chris Ware, mm-hmm. uh, you know, panel one, snow falling on power lines, panel two, sleep more snow, panel three, sleep more snow. Right, There's like right. 12 panels on the page. Like it works if you know what you're doing, but most artists, I don't know. They just don't know what those are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, I see them a lot in, um, uh, like Mignola's stuff. Because he'll always have an inset panel of like a bird or a skull or something. Yeah. No, what I love about Hellboy is you have Hellboy. Every great Hellboy page has like Hellboy stepping on a rock, panel two, he's looking at his watch, panel three, there's a noose by the moon, panel four, there's a corpse in the noon, yeah. in the noose, <laughs> and it works. And I just assumed that everybody knew what inset panels were. I think I just need to write a book. On how to do inset panels. Hey, I mean that could be the next step. Cash in, write a write a how to draw comics. Game. How to draw comics the Murphy way. Yeah, uh, that, that's so pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, um. Do you want me to wait to put this out until the last issue comes out? When's the last issue come out? Let's talk about the last issue. Okay, sure. So, um, the big spoiler of the last issue is we introduce Superman, and. Diana Prince and John Stewart. And uh, just as the finale of the book comes together and Bruce realizes that uh, he is Batman and that Batman belongs to everybody in the Bat family, um, Wonder Woman basically shows up and is like, before you walk off into the sunset, you're technically still a wanted man, but we'll make you a deal. I work for the FBI. She's not Wonder Woman yet. She's just Diana Prince. And she's like, um, there's this thing that we don't know how to deal with. There's this kid in Kansas that can do some amazing shit, and we need your help. So she shows him some footage of Clark Kent in the Superman outfit flying over fields. And uh, with her is John, Agent John Stewart. So what we're going to go into for Volume 4 is setting up the Justice League, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I want to do is do a Justice League... Um. No one has superpowers yet. They're all... Bruce Wayne is the only superhero that they know. Superhero in quotes. Clark Kent is, you know, obviously more of a superhero. Mm-hmm. So the first half of the book will be Clark being investigated by Bruce and Bruce figuring out how you know, paranoid about how much of a threat Clark is and all Bruce's defenses in his head kick in and he just sees, like, I have to take this kid down. This mm-hmm. kid's too much of a threat. Even if the kid seems nice, it doesn't matter. This kid's a threat. So he figures out a way to suck <laughs> Clark's powers away from him and uses the Fortress of Solitude like in Superman 2. Mm-hmm. Um, when he does that, he sets off a beacon and he realizes a bunch of Kryptonians are headed to Earth and they probably mean business. And Bruce fortunately neutralized the only kid that could have stood a chance here. Mm. So for the second half of the book, he and Clark have to team up. Um, so Bruce is in his sixties, Clark is early twenties and it's sort of like, um, yeah, this, this pairing of two people that don't like each other and don't get along, which is the best part of what world's finest is honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, hmm. but you know, you know, um, I want to do the book. Um, I I can, but I know DC wants me to, but I'm not sure when I'm going to have the time to, or whether whether I will or not. And then they have these uh, spinoff series which they want, and uh, the industry's in a weird spot right now. Yeah. I don't have to go too much into it, but yeah. 
Um, I did a trilogy. I'm happy with what I did. So we might not get to this, but this is sort of what I would do if this there was a volume four. Yeah, it's going. It's going to be on the Murphy verse Wikipedia entry, which I learned the other day as a thing. Oh yeah. But there's a, a lot of books listed there that we've mentioned in passing. And you're good. <laughs> good coffee, man. I heard your cowboy's coming out. What's that, what's that do? Was a, was, so when we were in San Diego, we were doing an interview. Yeah. And I don't know how it came up, but you teed me up for this cowboy thing. Sure. And I didn't really want to see much about it because I didn't think it was ever going to happen. And so, you know, I kind of gave a, a half-hearted answer. And, you know, you mentioned the wrestling thing. Yeah. And then someone just last week tweeted at me. I was like, so when's Catwoman coming out? I was like, oh, you know, it's not up to me. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, it says on the Wikipedia that it's happening. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and so I went there and there it said, uh, announced series, Batman White Knight, yeah. Catwoman, written by me. And then I went to the, the citing yeah. link and I clicked on it and it went to someone had cut out just that section of the interview we've yeah, done yeah. and the headline of the um the interview the, the article they wrote around that mm -hmm. is like four line cut out from our interview yeah. is uh catwoman is officially a professional wrestler in the white knight universe <laughs> i was like i didn't even know this existed it's a whole <laughs> article written about this <laughs> well it's you own it now if someone does catwoman wrestling book we can claim the reference off. there we go yeah excellent that's as good as copyright. Well, you are a guy who complains because you, you were saying before we started recording, you hate because you have a lot of great ideas and you're finding lately a lot of great ideas being taken by other people. A lot of ideas. Okay. I don't want to say that they're great ideas. All right. Because <laughs> if the ones that are similar aren't good, I don't want to take right. any credit for it. Give yourself an out, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's something that happens with everybody who's creative. You know, especially you. Especially me, yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's the, the everybody's kind of working in the same right pop culture. Things are in the air. You pull something down, someone else is bound to pull it down. Right. It doesn't make it not frustrating when it happens. Right. I understand why it happens. Yeah, yeah. Man. But I have like four other pitches that you can go over if you have time. I actually had a one-shot pitch for you for White Knight. Oh, really? I'll tell you right now. Okay. And I'm not saying this is going to happen because I keep saying I'm done doing spinoffs, but I keep mm -hmm. having ideas for them. Mm -hmm. What if you do a Clayface spinoff, but you talk about the history of cinema and what it means to Clayface as an actor? Ooh, interesting. And you go from like the golden age of cinema and like his, his he loved, you know, um, uh, fuck, what's his name? Vincent Price. Sure, yeah. Harold Flynn, all these guys. Mark Cheney. So you get to, you talk, to, you can't talk about famous types of movies, but you need to change your names ever so slightly sure. and what it meant to. Uh, John Lady. Thank you. But because I, I was such a film buff, I thought, man, Clay Crazy. did a story about Clayface at the end. Clayface has to die, but you have to give him birth by talking about his history of film, which is your bread and butter. I feel like you'd be all over that. That would be cool. Yeah. But we might not do it. <laughs> hey, man. Nothing's stopping me from pitching it, I guess. Yeah, there there's, you go. There's no reason why we can't do it. <laughs> Put your name on it and sign the check. We'll be doing it myself. We're up there with a, you know, um, driving movie theater, a buried Indian reservation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Quick side note: There's a local uh, drive-in theater, uh, movie theater here in New Hampshire, and uh, they were trying to sell it. When they started digging, they literally found Indian burial ground underneath it. And I thought, man, why hasn't there been a movie about Indian burial grounds and drive-ins? And I just told him about it recently. And hopefully, he'll do something with it. Yeah, for White Knight. Yeah, I need I need to work on the third album idea. That's fine. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding uh, White Knight or the future or the history of it before we wrap up? Uh, man, usually this goes an hour. We only have 48 minutes here. Um, I can't think of anything else. Oh, I do wish that I did not make Jason Todd the first Robin. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I think it lended uh, some possibilities of plot and some interesting things to say but i feel like it just keeps it continues to throw people off when i look online yeah look at um, reviews or comments on it some people love it and they see that it's a nice way to explore new possibilities but other people that are new to the series just have this like record scratch thing and yeah i'm not sure if it was worth it i mean i it's i think it's i think it's more interesting now that we've had time to sit with it and kind of explore it a little bit, yeah. I find it more interesting than if you had done it the normal way. Um, yeah. Because it, it keeping Jason's story relatively the same, just flipping the order, yeah. really changes the whole dynamic between Batman and Robin as an entity. Yeah. In, in addition to Jason and, and Dick. Yeah. And you, know, you get that. I think it's, I almost think the whole thing is worth it just for this this having the scene when Jason goes back to the Wayne Manor and right. sees he's been replaced. Yeah. Because that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that's not something yeah. I feel like you've ever seen in yeah. a fan story before. It's fair, man. When he sees Bruce fencing with another Robin with Dick, like Jason didn't even exist. Yeah. Because um, traditionally, I mean, yeah. Robins get replaced when they eventually leave or when well, die. Yeah. Right. There's never really that moment where yeah. someone gets lost in in battle, right. and then they Batman just moves on. Yeah. So you don't get that sort of. Yeah. Um, that makes me want to go back and talk about that more. Honestly. Yeah. I'd like to talk about how I know that you did a quick um, summary of Jason. He was trying to steal Batmobile hubcaps, and mm -hmm. they found him. But uh, that's such a quick flashback. I think it'd be interesting to see that played out because in my in our, in my universe, Jason was sort of an accidental Robin. Mm. Um, Bruce didn't choose to create a Robin. He just sort of tripped upon Jason, and he was he became convinced. Oh, I guess I could use some help. Mm. And he sort of started training him. Whereas um, when he died, or supposedly died. Bruce chose to replace him with another Robin, but that was Bruce's choice, not Dick's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. I just know that it's different. We don't really see that in Gotham. Yeah. Did I did I ever tell you my pitch for um putting Red Hood into the Matt Reeves, the Batman movies? No, let's with, with Red Hood as the first Robin. Basically, my thought was do it like Goldeneye. And so you have and when he's Batman, and when that movie starts, he's been working for two years, right? Mm -hmm. And so you do a flashback at the beginning where Batman, in his early days, yeah. meets up with Jason Todd. They're about the same age, right? And they start going into this together. 
And so they are Batman and Red Hood, or right. Robin and everyone from it. And uh, Red Hood gets killed, quote-unquote, by the Joker, which is why the Joker is in jail yeah. in, the, in the first movie. And so then you have you do the GoldenEye thing where he thinks he's been dead, and then this other villain shows up, and it turns out to be his friend who he thought was dead and stuff like that. So yeah. it would be an interesting way that you could get... Because yeah. there's no Robins in these movies. It's crazy. Yeah. There's been Bane has been in as many movies as Robin has, and it's fucking nuts. Well, let's talk about the Gunverse. So, oh yeah. So the weird weird choices. Yeah. So we're done talking about the thing we're going to talk about. Let's start a new conversation, uh, James. We got a, we got an hour and a half quote we have to. Hear. No. Oh, so I didn't read it, but I was listening to the podcast uh, on the drive into New Hampshire, mm-hmm. caught up in what James Gunn said. It's funny because he doesn't want to call it a gun verse, but I feel like it's just so easy to call it that. Yeah. And it does. I mean, it's probably going to happen. It does hand wave. I mean, he basically says, when I understand, Snyder verse didn't work. You know, of, um, halfway through the Justice League, they had this weird change of direction <clears throat> where the suits took over and his daughter died. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying he's a good director or not. I'm just saying it's a different direction. Yeah. Um, but some of the changes he's making, I, I they're they're shocking, they're weird. Uh, I don't think I know. I don't know if I like them. But if I was in charge, I would say green light because yeah. they're different. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I I I find it um, the thing I find the, that I enjoy the most about the Marvel and DC cinematic universes yeah. is that they uh, very much mirror the comics. In that Marvel has a really good handle on all their continuity, and DC, it's just a complete cluster. And then sometimes they're going in one direction, and they blow everything up, and they have to. If you want to, if you want to stop and get that's a fine. I, I spilled water. Whatever, oh, man. This is authentic podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> and you know they just they take a hard left turn, and when things aren't working, and they go, "Oh, let's delete half of it, not everything. Won't be a fresh start." But uh, it's it's a it's a weird slate of stuff. Yeah, like the first thing he he talked about was preacher um, wow. commandos, preacher commandos, yep. a cartoon which is not even I've never even heard of that. Yeah, but and then there's sure. a Frankenstein. Um, yeah, he's part of that group, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You have um, the Waller. He wants to do a. Sounds like it could be pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Henry Cavill. Has not been fired, but Superman has been recast. Oh, so I haven't heard that. Yeah, I mean, so I think was it not been fired mean like mutually parted ways, or he is somehow still in the fold? Well, so it's a word game, mm-hmm. but uh, the way I heard it described in this podcast was James Gunn has a certain idea of characters and his version of Superman. He would not have cast Henry Cavill in his version of Superman. Mm-hmm. So Cavill is not fired from being Superman, but Gunn would prefer to hire somebody else to play his version of Superman. Sure. But you know what? Honestly, if they do a Kingdom Come movie or something, like I'll bet Cavill comes back to play Superman. It's like I think Pierce Brosnan is going to come back for Old Man Bond at some point. That would be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that they really haven't. They've never done an Old Man Bond. And they just killed off Daniel Craig. Yeah. If I was in charge, I would do Old Man Bond with uh, um, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Thank you. Did you did you hear that pitch from years ago? That uh, it's it's something that was going around for a while. This idea that 007 is just a code name and all the Bonds are actually different people. 
No. Yeah. And so the pitch for this James Bond movie was it opens up with um, Roger Moore. And Roger Moore is like, you know, on some island somewhere. And then all of a sudden this assassin shows up and kills Roger Moore. And so it turns out that it is... That's Timothy Dalton. It's Timothy Dalton. Yeah. It's Timothy Dalton going around killing the other James, the other 007. I'm sorry, James Bond is a code name. Sorry, that's yeah, right. yeah. And so James Bond is actually a bunch of different people, right? So 007 isn't the code name; it's James, James Bond. James Bond, yes. <laughs> and so it's one of the previous James Bonds is now assassinating all of the other previous James Bonds. That's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a weird weird mix. Uh, the one that kind of threw me was. It, he was talking about a Green Lantern show mm-hmm. that he likened to True Detective and said it was... I haven't heard this. Yeah, he he, he called it a terrestrial-based show about two space cops. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds kind of contradictory. But, right. But so, it's going to be like Hal Jordan and James yeah. Stewart. So one, there's a back... There's a Supergirl movie... Based on a Tom King book. That book is really so. It was two years ago. Yeah, like very fresh. It's a good book. And then there was um, some Grant Morrison stuff worked in there. From I mean, he, when he tweeted about this, he actually posted a Grant Morrison's uh, cover of some kind. Yeah, he he talked about the Superman movie, well, Superman Legacy. And the picture that he chose was from All Star Superman. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is an older Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's. Grant Morrison, so it's like I, it's Superman at the end of his life. Let's put it that way. I don't know how old he is, but okay. Yeah. And he wants to do the thing that I found really interesting is he finally wants to do a Batman and Robin movie, mm-hmm. but he's a Damien. Yeah. And just jumping all the other guys. If that was Tim Drake, I'd be pissed off. Well, so the thing is, he could skip forward to Damien. Doesn't mean the other Robins didn't happen. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. But you know the, what's interesting about this is, so when I first saw. 300. I like 300. Mm-hmm. And then I heard they're going to give this guy the keys to the DCU. And I thought, I don't think Zack Snyder's a great director or storyteller. I think his director of photography is amazing, mm-hmm. doing slow-mo shit. But I'm like, DC cannot get into bed with this guy. And I feel like what I've watched played out in the last 10 years is exactly what I was worried about. From Watchmen to Superman to the DCU stuff and whatever. Um, uh, I don't know. My two cents is I, I'm glad that there's... So, James Gunn, uh, in his interview, said... He talked about Batgirl, the movie, and he said uh, it, something to the effect of it wasn't good, it wasn't... So he got rid of it. So it's nice to hear somebody say that clearly this project did not represent the new DCU. We're getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. We can even fix it. There's no judgment on the movie, or the, the actors, or the screen, whatever it is. Um... I guess it. I don't know. I guess it is, but it's because DC has and Warner have not wanted to come out and actually address this. Mm. Uh, but this is the first time someone in authority who had the power to set some record straight said, "Yeah, that movie wasn't good, so we got rid of it." Oh, I hadn't and heard then, that. Then he said, "We're going to do this. We're going to do Waller. We're going to do blah 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 blah." It's nice to see somebody who has the power be able to say things that are black and white and, def- and clear and put the universe in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just nice to get that kind of clarity. Yeah, it is. It is strange though because like it still comes at the end of these multi, like a billion dollars worth of movies that they've made that haven't come out yet. Wow. But they just can't shit can. 
And so, what, what, what's coming out that they can't shake? So, in the the thing that he talked about, he talked about Flash, where he said Flash is going to reshape the whole universe. Yeah, Flash is the new beginning of his, his of the universe. Yeah. But then after Flash, Aquaman two is still coming out. Oh, that's weird. Um, Blue Beetle is still coming out. Yeah, and I think there's one more. Shazam two still coming out. Okay, and those are apparently yeah under the umbrella. So Shazam is so disconnected that it can kind of survive without. He yeah, doesn't get. I think so. She's talking about the, what? What? What is so connected to Snyder that has to be canceled versus what is healthily disconnected from Snyder that yeah. can survive? And I think Shazam can survive. I'm surprised Flash can survive, but whatever. Honestly, <laughs> at this point, given what that movie is supposedly about. I hope they put out a version that's like three hours and fifty minutes long, and it's everything they've shot for that movie. All of the 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 stuff they've cut and reshot and so wait, 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 is is Keaton in this though? I think so. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm down for that too. Yeah, but like they they supposedly shot more footage with Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck that I think they have now taken out because right that they shit canned all that stuff. I just want to see all of it. Just throw it all in there. I don't care. So is, is Cavill stuff removed? I don't know. We'll say I, I. What I had heard was they sh- the movie was stood as it did with Michael Keaton moving forward as the new Batman of the uh, the, the DC universe. Yeah. Um. After I forget what happened, but in around the time that Black Adam came out and supposedly Cavill was back as Superman, they went back in. Right. And cut Keaton's role down and replaced him with Ben Affleck. And then also brought in Superman, as Cavill as Superman, to take a lot of the stuff that they were doing with Supergirl in that movie. Right. And now that those two are both gone again, I'm assuming that stuff's coming back out. Right. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. (laughs) Might be my most anticipated movie of the year, Frank. It's Keaton. I'm, I'm anticipating it. You're not like morbidly curious as to what the hell this thing's going to look like. I'm I'm curious as to Keaton's uh, contributions to it, but I don't know. I mean, it, uh, Affleck hasn't been Batman since 2018. Mm-hmm. To bring him back now is strange. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But, uh, I mean, <laughs> you, what you're describing is like I can't not look at a car accident. Yeah, as I've been sitting in traffic for two hours, yeah. I might as well stare at the dead bodies. Yeah, it's not a thing though. I might be. What if it's a really well composed car crash? <laughs> See, you're such a student of cinema and a fan and a collector and absorber of of this stuff. Like, I can see why you're interested in it. That's like I. You don't find it, like, at all interesting, I knowing the backstory of where this movie has come from, just to see what it looks like? Yeah, no, I want to see the documentary of it. I don't want to see the patched-up, band-aid version of this garbage in theaters, if it's going to hurt the companies that are making it. Mm. That's my worry. So I don't want to see the patched-together bullshit Snyder version mix-up mix, mix up to try to salvage the crap that they've been trying to produce. I want to see the Superman Returns documentary. Mm. I want to see both. Yeah. I want to see the movie. Well, see, the thing is, a documentary is entertaining. It doesn't hurt the studio. Mm-hmm. If you want the stuff that you're talking about to come out as canon, it could hurt the studio. They've been around for a long time. 
Warner Brothers? Yeah. Not for over 100 years. <laughs> Literally pays your bills. Oh. <laughs> They'll be fine. <laughs> if any Warner Brothers uh, lawyers are listening, I'm not really that close to playing. The fate of the Flash movie does not affect my paycheck. And if it does, I understand. <laughs> If they see fit to fire you on this, like I think you have more power than you realized. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, man. Podcast for the rest of my life after that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I uh what was your favorite Snyder contribution to the DCU? Um the first half of Man of Steel. Yeah. Which I thought was is legitimately good. Yeah. Uh it's a, it's a good sci fi movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first encounter type movie. Yeah, and I, I mean this has obviously been litigated to death already, but I think it's just like his his uh, outlook on these characters was not what they needed at that time, mm-hmm. which is weird because the first half of Man of Steel is so like on the right track, yeah, and then it just gets kind of cynical and it stays cynical, yeah, through all the rest of the movies, yeah. Um, it's That's- it's strange. The bit with Henry Cavill as Clark on uh, oil rigs saving oh, people. Oh, love it. That's the best Superman has ever been. Yes. Maybe better than some of the Christopher Reeve stuff. Superman, or Clark Kent, or however you want to categorize yeah. it, holding the oil rig up mm-hmm. while it's burning is the best Superman I've seen since the Fleischer cartoons. Yeah. Like, wow. That shit is amazing. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, I agree. Stuff's really great. And I, I do feel bad for Cavill. Yeah. For not getting to... It's not his fault that this happened. No. It's funny, because when he was first cast, there was a lot of fan sent to his casting, and now everyone's on his side. Everyone yeah. knows that the movies aren't bad because of him. Everyone loves him. If I was him, honestly, I wouldn't want to fuck with Superman either, anymore either. Like mm-hmm. This franchise has made you a lot of promises, has been mishandled, and has burned you. If I was him, I would move on to Warhammer 2. Yeah. And uh, I would wait 10 years, and I would say, I'm happy to come back for Kingdom Come. Like, I would leverage my, right. my Pierce Brosnan, uh, James Bond. That would be something. I, um, I think the biggest surprise from the, the gun stuff is the authority. I mean, I should oh, say, yeah. it's a surprise, but it's not, because that seems yeah. definitely up his alley, the authority. Right. Um, Does that mean uh, wild. And wild, Wildstorm? Yeah, it's a wild storm book. Yeah. yeah. So if we get a grifter, I'd be pretty down with that. Yeah. Thomas character, whatever. Yeah, all those characters. I guess he's got a mask. Right it's red. It was, it's a it, great it's a great design. And his the mask, I don't know if you know this, Clay, his mask hangs down over his face without being tucked in. Is it's that like, what it is? It's like blonde Deadpool doesn't tuck his mask in. Lazy is what he sounds like. No, it's epic. <laughs> and and he has a Army jacket or something. Right, he's got a sweet coat. And he was yeah. kind of Vietnam, even though he's too young. <laughs> All right, that's my best pitch. Yeah, that's that's not bad. And he, and he works at a movie theater that's on Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, hearing about the James Gunn stuff. I was half excited, half confused. But now that I've got distance from it, I think it's honestly the best idea I've heard because yeah. I didn't think that. Ideas are going anywhere and conducive at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I trust the guy just because he seems to have a handle on. Yeah, he has a style. Um, 
but kind of, he has a handle on these kind of characters, it seems, and he yeah. knows how to write them with yeah, uh, heart and pathos. Yeah, because I mean, if even just looking at the the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, that's pretty clear. Yeah. I think Peacemaker, Peacemaker. Yeah, he's clearly a comic book fan. Like I don't know if Snyder was really a comic fan. Mm. Um, James Gunn seems to have a vision with capital V. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, I mean, I think Guardians 1 is one of the top five best superhero movies ever. Yeah, Guardians 1's great. Yeah. yeah. Peacemaker blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hope for the best. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I think I think we've... Hour and eight minutes. Rambled on for long enough. Yeah, we should have questions from viewers, but I guess we don't. Yeah, we kind of did this haphazardly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for reading the books we're putting out and uh, we'll see you next time on the podcast thank you